Hello, I'm Christy Scarrow, and in this interview series, I'm talking to experts who help leaders to have an influence, get commitment from their teams, and have an impact. And today, I'm happy to welcome Jo Rawbone, and she was the founder, she is the founder of Flourishing Introverts. Um, her goal is to shift the extroversion bias, and I'm excited to understand what that means, by using an approach that really enables individuals to recognize their natural strengths, so they can fulfill their potential without pretending to be someone they are not. And she does this with group coaching and one-on-one -on -one with clients. And with her clear purpose, unshakable passion, she works with international clients and companies to help them level the playing field. And what I love is this is diversity and inclusion and equity in action. So Joanne, Joe, thank you very much for being here today. Welcome. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. So I wanna start because Floundering, fl flourishing, floundering would be bad. Flourishing introverts. Tell me what that means. So I, I knew I wanted to work with introverts, and I'd, I'd been kind of pondering around what that might be. And I woke up one morning with this word flourishing in my mind. And of course, when I dug in and did a little bit of, of, of homework about what it meant, it and and I'm a big fan of positive psychology. And Dr. Lynn Soots talks about what flourishing really means. And it's about being in pursuit of that authentic life where we're filled with happiness because we're meeting our, our goals through the peaks and troughs of, of life. That's a kind of summary. And I thought that's exactly what I want for introverts because I've met too many introverts who use their introversion as an excuse. They kind of hide inside it and say, oh, no, I can't do that because I'm an introvert. Oh, no, that's not me because I'm an introvert. But actually, once we recognize that introversion is just in a way about where we get our energy from and what drains our batteries, our behavior sits on top of that. And I can do anything I choose to do, provided I've got enough charge in my mental batteries. So for me, a flourishing introvert is somebody who's saying, I know I'm capable of more. I know that I have this voice. I haven't quite found it necessarily yet, but I know I have this voice. So let me, you know, let me explore and discover and really find what that voice is so that I can contribute and be the best version of me because let's face it, the world needs more of us to be speaking up, but in our own authentic way. I love that. And, and, I, and I am a self-proclaimed introvert myself. So I recognize that that battery drain you talk about. And sometimes that desire to, to keep things to yourself until you feel like you've got the right momentum yeah. um, or, you know, you want to make sure you've got the right thought process. So um, you share about the idea of this extroversion bias. Tell me what that means and what, how that shows up. So I became aware of the extroversion bias. I've been working with organizations around the globe for 20, nearly 30 years now, I suppose. And I noticed that it was always the same, that the quiet ones, wherever I worked in the world, were the ones who were overlooked and often the assumption was made that they lacked ambition because they weren't pushing themselves forward all the time. Mm -hmm. So I started to really notice what was going on around organizations. And I realized that the extroversion bias is, is everywhere. It's mm -hmm. in recruitment. You know, it starts in those recruitment processes. It's certainly in the whole career development path. It's in meetings. It's in problem solving. It's the way we treat people in open plan offices, it's literally everywhere. You know, our, our current world of work is geared up towards the extrovert 
you know norm and who said that's the that's the right norm so it's everywhere we look in business and sadly it starts in education and even in families before education so you know we worry about the child who is quiet during their break times and is maybe wanting to read rather than running around and playing with people and and you know what teachers and educators often don't realize is that the youngsters are trying to re re kind of charge their battery ready for the next class they don't need to run around and let off steam they need to actually just recharge and be quiet so it starts in education so that's interesting and if that's the case so if if you know i'm an introvert you're an introvert how do we how do we navigate that how do we overcome that if that bias exists everywhere I think for me, the first thing is that we need to own our introversion. So I'm not a huge fan of labels until, unless it's about useful categorization. And I think, you know, I, I don't allow my introversion to define me. So I don't match the stereotypes that people, you know, put out there about introverts. And if you still, if you Google introvert or introversion, you'll come up with things like loner, um, egoist and you know some real disparaging terms so for me the first thing is is actually owning my introversion and identifying what my strengths are as an introvert finding a way to articulate that so that I can then present those strengths to the organization to you know within my family whatever it happens to be because we do have so many brilliant natural qualities that the world needs more of so I think it's about owning it and rather than doing what I did for decades, which was pretending to be more extroverted to fit in, mm. it's about really saying, well, actually, you know, you may have noticed that I operate slightly differently and that's because I'm an introvert. So let me tell you what would work for me. Mm. So it's about being prepared to talk about our needs, what they are without apology, without saying, oh, I'm sorry or, you know, whatever we happen to do. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And this maybe this question maybe builds upon that because I know, you know, I when I coach clients who are, are introverted, uh, a lot of the struggle sometimes becomes because their direct manager is very extroverted and they have a very different expectation. And so then they set their objectives and their development needs. It tends to be around the idea of, well, you need to be more charismatic. You need to build, you know, better you know, relationships or whatever it is. And, and how do you help those? How do you almost help your, your manager to recognize that? Or how do you navigate those difficult conversations where someone's expecting you to act differently? And I think that's where, as introverts, we do need to speak up a bit. So rather than accepting objectives like that, it's about being prepared to say, well, that may work for some people, but if I tell you what my natural strengths are, maybe we can find ways to help me play to my strengths and indeed develop those strengths rather than develop what you perceive to be weaknesses. Because let's face it, we've moved on so far in the whole learning and development community that we know it's not about developing weaknesses. We know it's about identifying strengths and saying, how can we help you do more of that, be more of that? And seeing if those will help minimize some of the weaknesses rather than try and turn the weaknesses around. So, again, it, it's about introverts being prepared to find their voice. And 
I've just finished running a program called Introvert Emerging. And a part of it was absolutely about helping introverts find their voice mm. and both the, in the written form, but also in the spoken form, because both of those are really important. So I'd love to hear a couple of tips then about when you're starting to feel nervous about sharing your voice, when you're guiding leaders and they are introverted to, to what kind of, you know, beyond kind of recognizing it, do you have any other tips that, okay, make sure you're thinking about this when you have the conversation or articulate it in this way. What are your thoughts about the best way for them to have that voice? Yeah, I one of the tips that I'm always keen to share, and it doesn't quite answer your question, but I'll come on to that in a moment. One of the tips is about using what I refer to as placeholders, because I noticed that often people, so introverts like me, tend to have a think, say, think communication process. We're asked a question, we genuinely want to give it our, you know, give it a really good bit of thinking and reflection time before we answer. So we're not the spontaneous answerers that often the extroverts are. And what I noticed is that then the conversation would move on and I'd lose my place mm -hmm. to actually say anything. So I've noticed that actually if I use a placeholder, something like, gosh, that's a really interesting question. And I've never been asked that question before. or I've never considered that. So whilst I'm thinking about that question, so all the while I'm talking, my brain is frantically working out what my answer is. Hmm. So that's one way of using a placeholder. And another way is that's such an important question. I'd like to give that, a, you know, a little bit of consideration. So please come back to me after you've checked in with everybody else. Or it might be that I'll come back to you this afternoon with that answer. So I think it's about us using those, those placeholders correctly rather than people thinking because I didn't speak immediately. I don't have a point of view or, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm lacking confidence in sharing that, which is what people often think as well. So that's one tip I would share. That, and then to answer your question better, I think it's about being prepared to say, well, you know, my, the way I'm wired is slightly different. So, you know, we're not weird as introverts, we're wired differently. It, it is a neurodiversity. There are functional neuroimaging studies that show that the brains of introverts and extroverts light up differently when stimulated in the same way. So when introverts can actually say, well, let me share with you a little bit about how I'm, you know, how I'm wired differently. And if we can put a little plug in there for the kind of, you know, the diversity, equity and inclusion, most leaders are hot on that at the moment. So mm -hmm. if we can frame it within the DEI agenda and say it's really important we understand this so that we're not perpetuating the bias against introverts, most leaders will listen. They might feel awkward about it, but most leaders will listen. No, I love that concept. I think it is really important because you're right, a diversity of thought and the way we process is something that we kind of understand, but maybe don't put enough thought towards. And that placeholder concept's a really good one because it allows introverts, it's what I'm getting from it, is it allows that pause, right? So it's yeah. it's kind of giving you the option to say, I, I, I don't, because if you don't know what you want to say, it's a bit, you don't, you don't want to put yourself in a spot where you have to say it anyway. But that placeholder either allows your brain to catch up or gives you yeah. time to do it later. I love that concept. That's a great tip. Thank you for sharing that. Welcome. Uh, so one other uh, thing that just jumps out at me is 
you know, what would you say to the extroverts out there um, to, you know, to help them be more aware, I think, of, of these situations or, or uh, being part of DEI obviously is a, is a good one. Uh, anything else that you would say to the extroverts and help, help us navigate this? I think there's, if we've got extroverted leaders and managers, and, you know, there are plenty of really successful introverted leaders and managers, but the ones we tend to, and unfortunately, there's still so much bias around and so many myths about what successful leadership means, you know, that it's driving from the front somehow, rather than actually being a leader from within. So for the extroverts amongst us, I would think about, for instance, how, how you run meetings how you call meetings, mm. because spontaneous meetings, again, play to the strengths of the extrovert. They don't play to the strengths of the introvert. We're the ones who are much more likely to do our prep and do whatever reading and think through what our real position is on something before we go into a meeting. So spontaneous meetings that are then poorly chaired really mm. don't bring out the best of an introvert. I have a, a colleague who's recently implemented something that I think is brilliant, which is where there are where where she does need to hear, you know, the whole gambit, the whole variety of thoughts during a meeting. What she does is she says, OK, I'm going to hold this open till the end of the day. If anybody else has got any ideas before the end of the day, pop along to my office and just share those with me, because that gives the re more reflective introverts a chance to say, now I thought about it, this is what I want to contribute, or this is what I want to say. So I think meetings is, is something that quite quickly we could change how we genuinely are inclusive of, of the introverts just by the way we structure and the way we chair meetings. So that's one thing. And I think the other is to, to think about the whole recruitment or career progression. And if we are holding still, for instance, assessment centres where we get groups on a group discussion and I've sat with people as they've marked down candidates who haven't said very much. Mm. So they're still marking it on quantity of contribution rather than quality of contribution. And again, I, um, I have a colleague who's now implemented where they run a, a reflective exercise after the group discussion. So they get them to write a mini report about, you know, what they noticed and, and, you know, I can't remember exactly what her categories are, but it means that that's where the introverts can shine because they will have noticed things that nobody else noticed who was too busy kind of, you know, getting their opinion heard. So, you know, if we genuinely make those types of processes inclusive, then we're going to really make a, a difference and level that playing field that I'm talking about. I, I love that idea. That, that makes a ton of sense is to really get to think about just having that opportunity to reflect because you're right, we do too many in the moment meetings done, we've made the decision and you're not allowing for that extra time. So yeah. both of those things in terms of recruitment ideas and just even ongoing meetings, those are great ideas. Thank you for sharing that, Joe. And problem solving, you know, there's been a resurgence recently of this working out loud stuff. Great for extroverts, nightmare for introverts. So yeah. let's just recognize that doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Back to always kind of recognizing that our thought process for one may not be the same for others. And the more we can reinforce that, that introverts bring different strengths or different ways of processing. I think that's a great way to think about it. So, yeah. 
Um, so interesting from, I wanted to make sure I had a chance to share with the audience your, um, what, you, what you can offer to understand this topic a little bit better and to support leaders. One is about the different six types of introverts. Um, yes. It's interesting that you've got different types. Maybe you can just quickly talk about why, how there are different types and then people will want to go do the quiz and try it themselves. Of course, yeah. So, you know, the, the six different types. The first one is, is the classic introvert, the almost the stereotypical introvert. So, you know, really good solo worker, really resourceful, really, really resilient, likely to have a very small circle of acquaintances and friends, you know, almost everything we would imagine. Then we get into the extroverted introvert types. Now, in the past, people have said, oh, I'm an ambivert. I'm a bit of both. Actually, you're probably not because a true ambivert is someone who is equally recharged in that quiet alone time and in a, you know, a busy, really kind of, you know, buzzing type environment. That's a true ambivert. You can be an extroverted introvert or indeed an introverted extrovert, which means where you get your energy from and then the behaviours you can naturally access. Have people go, hey, you're not an introvert. Look at you. No, because when my battery's gone, I'm out of here really quick. Yeah. So we've got the obviously the classic introvert who is the, the pure introvert type, the connected introvert who actually has that slightly wider circle of friends, the dynamic introvert who learns more like an extrovert. They're more likely to get their sleeves rolled up and get stuck in. Sorry, learn more like an extrovert, get their sleeves rolled up and get stuck in. Engaging introverts who are fabulous platform speakers they can have an audience eating out the palm of their hand but the moment they're done they've disappeared they won't be walking down the aisle signing and high-fiving and signing you know signatures and, and stuff like that um the open introvert which is my type the open introvert is quite willing to share thoughts and feelings so if you ask me how i i, I sorry if you ask me how i am I'm likely to tell you, so you better mean the question. I'm not, I'm not just going to say, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. And then lastly, we've got the sociable introvert who's actually really good at kind of making connections and is actually quite good at small talk, which most introverts really struggle with. We can learn how to do it, but it's not a natural for us. Mm -hmm. And of those extroverted types, you can be a blend. So you might be a, a sociable, open, dynamic introvert, in which case nobody's going to believe you're an introvert at all. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So we'll definitely share that in the link. Um, and I'm really curious to find out myself because I can see a few of those for sure are resonating with me. You're right. Sometimes we have this vision of this introvert loner individual and make, that's probably more rare than the iterations that you spoke about, right? So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing I think you uh, we wanted to put a link to, which is I think super uh, super useful, is you call it your brilliant battery booster, which I love because it's all about energy. So tell me just a little yeah. bit about that. So I realized that you know when I was still out and about with clients, which I haven't been most of it's been Zoom recently, but there are those days where I just have to keep going and I can feel my battery draining. I'm very sensitive to monitoring my the you know the amount of charge in my battery. And there were times where I needed a little bit of a boost, like the little emergency phone charges you get that give you an extra hour of juice. So what I devised was I, I developed my own brilliant battery boosters and the link that people can get it uh, to some suggestions, but I recommend they find their own, but they can be things like using the right essential oils. So for instance, lime or lemon is really good at uplifting and just getting you to refocus again. 
um, a quick walk around the block just to shift the energy and shift the chi using the um, acupressure points like the third eye or this one here, you know, all just tiny little things that even in a meeting you could do this and people might just think you had a headache. Nobody would know that you were just doing a bit of recharging. Mm. So I just have a selection of really easy, simple things that just give you that little boost you need until you can get home and recharge properly. So I'm guessing caffeine probably isn't a good choice, but I like your, like your ideas. Yeah. That's the one you go to when you, maybe you shouldn't, but. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I think that is really important because by the end of the day, yeah, especially, I, and I think, I don't know if you're finding this in the virtual world, but uh, if it's more draining or less draining, I think we're, we're by nature drained by being staring at a screen because you can't read body language. It takes more effort um, yeah. so, I, but I would guess it's a similar challenge, but even maybe potentially more so in the virtual space. I think it's more so because I think you have to give more energy to that crazy little camera just <laughs> yeah. to come across as even half alive. So yeah, yeah, I find it more so than when I'm face to face with people. Yeah. Well, no, thank you, Joe. I, I love this topic. I think it's really important, uh, for introverts to feel like they have a voice and some strategies to navigate what is clearly a still an extroverted world. So I really uh, appreciate the work you do and sharing some of the tips with my audience as well. So uh, thank you again, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it.